Am I on? There we go. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. Uh, that song declares some good news. I'm alive because he lives. Today, we're talking about relationships, our most significant, most important relationships. And if you have one that you're a part of right now that is meaningful, important to you, and it feels like it is dead or dying, it can be alive because he lives. It's very good news, and that's what we're going to go after today. But before we head into that, I want to celebrate a remarkable young man uh, to this morning. Uh, there's a guy named Chad Porter. He and his family have been a part of our church for many, many years. They actually started attending in 1912, so that's a long time. <laughs> And you may know his mom, Elena, who leads our yoga ministry, and his dad, Cliff, has been on a number of mission trips with us. Uh, again, his name is Chad Porter. He's a graduate of Desert Vista High School. Go Thunder. He is a, uh, he's a, yeah, he's a sophomore at ASU. Uh, I, uh, I can't say go Devils because it's a church, but I'll just say go ASU. <laughs> Uh, and so he, and he's a wrestler, and he's a pretty good wrestler. He uh, red-shirted wrestling at ASU in his freshman year last year, and so he didn't compete in any, uh, he didn't participate in any competitions, which makes an event a couple months ago all the more incredible that uh, he was training, but he wasn't participating in any competitions, but he went to Indianapolis to try out for the World Junior uh, championship, uh, it's representing the United States. And so he went there in Indianapolis a couple months ago as an unseated wrestler. So no one had any idea who he was. He ended up wrestling the number two uh, junior uh, wrestler in the United States in his weight category and beat him. And, and beat him. And then... He wrestled the number one ranked wrestler in Indianapolis and decimated him. I mean, completely annihilated him. So what this means is that he and his family get to go to Slovakia and represent the United States at the Junior World Championship for Greco-Roman wrestling. Very, very exciting. And so, uh, so Chad, where are you, Chad? Come on down, buddy. We want to celebrate with you today. I can, I can say, buddy, because I actually know Chad, and good job, man. Uh, he is a neighbor of ours, he and his family, and so uh, the whole time that uh, our family has lived here, we've known them. They just live a few doors down. Chad actually used to come to our house and take care of our kids when they were little at times, and he would let them crawl all over him and, and all that kind of stuff. And so what they did for the most part when they were together, though, is they, they wrestled. And so I don't want to take full credit for... <laughs> his accomplishments, but I'll take some level of credit because uh, they must have learned something from my kids, you know, going against you a little bit. Okay. I thought it'd be uh, great for us to uh, celebrate one of our own and send him off with our support and our prayers uh, as they head off to Slovakia and figure out what this looks like. Whatever happens, it's an incredible experience and opportunity. So would you bow your heads with me and let's uh, lift him up. Father, I'm thankful for Chad. I'm thankful for 
the gift that you've given him, that you've surrounded him with people who love him, with coaches who've poured into him, with a family that has coached him and helped him and been there and loved him and continues to do that. And uh, so, Father, I'm so thankful for um, the opportunity that you put before him. I'm thankful that Chad understands that this gift is from you that he, he has worked very hard and trained very hard, but none of this happens without your presence in his life, without you pouring into him. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so, God, we are thankful for that. We pray this is an incredible experience. We remember uh, him. We lift him up in prayers and look forward to great things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, man. All right. He beats the number one wrestler. That's pretty fun. Okay, so now the rest of us today, we are going to wrestle with a very important topic. You see the transition? See how I made that? Okay, so we are going to talk about our relationships uh, for the next four weeks in this new series called From This Day Forward. Now, you're probably familiar with that phrase, from this day forward, because it is part of the traditional American wedding, that typically what a pastor says at most American weddings is at some point says, do you, Alan, take this woman to be your wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward. It's this great phrase that we use to say, this day is special, and from this day on, things are going to be different. That that's what this phrase means. From this day forward, things are going to be different. Things are going to be better. Our relationship is going to be different. We are not just going to keep things going the same old, same old. Something is going to change as a result of this day. From this day forward, something is going to change. Now, we use that phrase at weddings, but in this series, we're not just talking about marriage. We're not just talking about the marriage relationships. I invite you to think of whatever significant relationship that you would like to. It might be your most significant relationship. It could be your relationship with your kids or your siblings or your parents or a, a best friend. You can kind of go after any relationship you want. What we're talking about in these four weeks will apply to any relationship it can either be a relationship that is the most important one to you or perhaps one that needs the most attention right now. Just to say, from this day forward, I'm going to think differently. I'm going to act differently in that relationship. So what relationship might that be for you? What significant person in your life would you like to think, act differently from this day forward for the next few weeks and just see what God wants to do with that? I'm excited about this series because we are using these journals. We're participating with a number of other Church of God churches here in the area. Uh, I believe it's 17 churches that are participating in this. We created these journals for this series as well as the next. This series covers this four weeks as well as our series in October. And they are, as has been mentioned, they're $5 available in the lobby to help us cover the cost of printing these up. They have a daily devotional or a daily experience for you to sit down and spend time with God uh, as a part of these journeys. Additionally, there is a page once a week called Table Conversations 
where you could have a conversation with your family or with your small group and go to a deeper level with this stuff. When we talk about it with other people, we often can learn so many things as we process through with other folks. So I encourage you to pick one of these up. Again, if you are new with us, uh, these are a, a gift to you. If you would just go to the white table, and uh, we'd love to give you one of these um, uh, for being here. Again, thanks for being here. We hope to, hope to do the journey with you. Uh, so I want to go into Scripture. As always, uh, I, uh, it's not about my opinion or my experience or my thoughts on this topic. We want to go to the Word of God. What does God have to say about this? And so I've chosen to go after a few verses in the book of Philippians. There is a number of different sections in Scripture that talk about relationships. But if you brought your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. It is a letter written by a guy named Paul, and he's writing to the church in Philippi. And in uh, chapter 3, I want to start reading in verse 12. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, it begins, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal. Now, I have to pause because obviously he's in the middle of a thought, and he's talking about this, he's talking about a goal. And so just to back up and look at the whole chapter to understand what Paul is referring to here. In this chapter, essentially what he is saying is, all I care about is Jesus. That's, that's all I care about. It's the top most important thing for me. He says, I, I, I could brag about my background, about my heritage, about my Jewish training and my understanding of God and all that experience, but all I really care about is Jesus. And, uh, and so he uh, drives this home. He says in verse 10, just prior to this verse 12, in verse 10, I'll just read it to you. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of res resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is what Paul is saying right before verse 12. Some of you know uh, my mother-in-law, Rita Puckett, who passed away uh, earlier this year. And I can't read Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 without thinking of Rita because this was her life verse. She had identified at age 12 that this was her life verse. What kind of a person identifies a verse at age 12 that talks about participating in the sufferings of Christ? I mean, this was a, she was a remarkable woman. And again, I can't not think about her as I read this. But what I think Rita understood, and I think Paul was driving at here in chapter 3, is those first few words in verse 10. I want to know Christ. This is all that matters is I want to know Christ. That's what he's referring to in, in verse 12 here. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal of fully knowing Christ, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. And here's what we're talking about today. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There are three pieces, beautiful pieces here in these verses that I know a number of you are familiar with. These great verses from Paul. 
forgetting what is behind. There's three pieces. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Forgetting what is behind. That there, there are seasons and times where we need to let go of these pieces that are weighing us down, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, having a picture of what the ultimate goal is. Once I let go of that and I have a picture of that, then I can press on. I can make decisions that move me in the direction that I want to go towards that goal. It's just this beautiful one, two, three, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. I press on. Now, Paul is obviously talking about his relationship with Christ. That's what this chapter is all about. But it is profoundly relevant in terms of our relationships with one another. These three pieces, they're not just about our relationship with Christ. And this, is, this shouldn't surprise us because our loving God connects with our loving one another. It always has it. It's this beautiful mixture. Jesus summarizes the Old Testament saying it's all about love God and love others. When we love others, we are loving God. When we love God, we will love other people. That's just the way it works. Those two things are connected. So Paul is talking about loving Christ, but this has everything to do with our loving one another, with how we are interacting with the most important people in our lives and, and our hopes and dreams for those relationships. So these three things are totally relevant. Forgetting what is behind, I and straining towards what is ahead, having a picture of where we're going in this relationship, with those two things in mind, I press on. Now I can start making decisions in, in my relationship, my most important relationships, that move me in the direction that I wanna go. I press on. Now, what I'm talking about this morning primarily is this first one. This first one, forgetting what is behind. And this is the one that is so often connected with pain and hurt. This is the one that is so complicated. It's complicated because, as I said, it is, it is connected to wounds. It is connected to brokenness. It is connected to, um, to significant pain. And so it's, it's complicated because the whole idea of saying we want to let go of this, well, how do we let go of this stuff? Just last week, I said we are to remember moments of life. We are to remember kairos moments. Those significant moments as a part of our past that carry us through some of the more difficult times in the future. So, so but now Paul says forget what's in the past. Well, essentially, hang on to the good stuff and let go of the bad stuff. Hang on to the good stuff and let go of the bad stuff. Paul says, forget what is behind, and essentially he's referring to the woundings and the rough stuff, the stuff that hurts. Now, this phrase is, like I said, very complicated. In, in any painful situation, in any relationship, there are two roles. There's the offender and the offended. And those two roles respond differently to this phrase that Paul gives us. The offender often likes this phrase. Paul says, forgetting what is in the past. The offender says, yes, let's let it go. Let's forget about it. Let's, let's move on. Can't we talk about something else? Let's move on. The offended, however, 
often struggles with that phrase, forgetting what's in the past. The offended says, I would love to. I would love to be able to walk away from this. I would love to be freed from the weight of this that's holding me back from moving forward in this relationship. I would love to be untethered from this thing. I would love to, but I can't. It's just so painful. And so there's, there's two roles. There's the offender and the offended, and it's complicated. What makes it more complicated is that in any relationship, it's never one person is always the offender and the other person is always the offended. In every relationship, we always go in and out of those two roles. We're always partially the offender and always partially the offended. Absolutely, it's never 100% zero, never. But as you think about a significant relationship that you wanna pour into over the next four weeks, as you think about your marriage or your kids or your parents or siblings or whatever relationship that you believe God may want you to work on, what role have you primarily played in that particular relationship? As you, as, for whatever reason it came to your mind, whatever issue in the past, whatever pain that's going on, on that story, which role have you primarily played? The offender or the offended? Which, which one rises to the surface? Because again, both of those respond differently to Paul's phrase, forgetting what is behind. To the offender, this phrase from Paul does not give us permission to avoid seeking forgiveness. It could be that you have in your relationships at some point that you have said, I refuse to talk about the past. Now that might, even come, that might even come from a good place. You might say, I've read Paul's letter here. I've read these words and I want to move on. I don't wanna dwell in that pain. I want to move on and I understand that. I understand the desire to want to just let it go and move on. But if you're the offender, then it is in your best interest to refuse to talk about the past. In other words, if you hold that position of I refuse to talk about the past, that is a selfish position. Because that's, that's in your best interest to do that. It could be that the person you've offended, that person who's important in your life that you want to have a growing relationship with, it could be that what that person needs the most is to talk about it, is to talk about what that has meant and the pain that is connected with that. It might be in their absolute best interest for you to talk about it even though you don't want to. In my experience with pain, with hurt, broken relationships, as a pastor talking with many people about many different stories, the offender has forfeited the right, in my opinion, to say, I refuse to talk about the past. They don't have the right to say that, not in three days or three months or three years. That, that maybe they think, hey, haven't we gotten over this? The offended might still just need to figure this out because we want to move towards healing. We want to move towards, we're going to talk about it. We're going to seek forgiveness. And that's 
your process as the offender to, to break free from the past, to forget what is behind. It might mean you, you have to be willing to talk about it for the sake of the person that you've offended. Again, I said, that's complicated. I understand that. I understand that. To the offended, it can sometimes be a, a more frustrating journey because the offended has a lot less control over the situation. The offender gets to decide, am I going to bring it up? Am I going to talk about it? Am I going to, offer, uh, am I going to ask for forgiveness or not? But the offended usually has less power. The offended has to, is at the mercy of the other person to be willing to talk about it or to ask for forgiveness. And that can be a tricky place, a frustrating place at times. Again, complicated. I, I grew up in Canada, most of you know that, and um, as a result, I did not know much about General Robert E. Lee. I didn't learn about uh, him in school, et cetera, like most of you did. All I knew about General Lee is that it was a super cool 1969 Dodge Charger that they painted orange for the Dukes of Hazard series. That's all I knew about, about a General Lee. I knew a lot about that General Lee, but I didn't know much about the man. And you all grew up knowing that he was a Confederate uh, general, a celebrated, uh, wise Confederate general in the, in the southern... Um, uh, in the South during the Civil War. There is a biography on General Lee called Lee colon The Last Years that tells a story about this guy walking among the civilians during the Civil War. And at one point he is in Kentucky and he has an encounter with a woman whose property has been demolished by the Union Army. So she's very supportive of the South and very frustrated and angry with the North because of how they have impacted her life. They destroyed her, her property, uh, destroyed her farmland. They burned down some buildings for whatever reason. And symbolically, she had a tree in the front of her yard, in, the front, in front of her house, that was burnt and ugly and it was completely dead as a result of what the Union Army had done, et cetera. And so she had this incredible opportunity to meet the general, to meet General Robert E. Lee. And she told him her story of what had happened, et cetera, and brought him to this burnt tree and told him why she kept that tree in front as a reminder of her anger and her pain towards the Union Army. And she fully expected, of all people, General Lee to be very supportive of this and for them to be on the same team and let's, let's go south, go south, uh, etc. But what's reported as General Lee's response is he says, my dear madam, cut it down. We have a tendency sometimes when we've been hurt, when we've been wounded, so bad to memorialize that wound, to keep it in front of our house. And even though it is, it is just a reminder of pain and darkness, to keep it there, to keep the anger alive. And what we need to do is cut it down. The general notices, you, you're staring at that tree. It's ruining your life. Get rid of that tree. So you might say, Alan, you, 
You have no idea how much pain he has caused. You have no idea how much it has impacted my life, how, how hurtful it has been. You have no idea whatsoever. No, I don't. But I would still say, cut it down. You might say, Alan, it's her fault. She's the one who made the mistake. She did that, and I'm the one who has to suffer most of the consequences. That's not fair. That's ridiculously unfair. Cut it down. Sometimes we even go through a process, a healing process, and, and, and a conversation has, has occurred with that story. And, and tears have been shed, and maybe even forgiveness has been asked, and there was this whole process and yet we still want to keep that pain alive by keeping the tree in the front yard. And so then the advice is, cut it down. Cut it down. Remember the good stuff and let go of the bad stuff. Forget what is behind. Let go of that bad stuff that is just eating you up. It's just a daily reminder of pain and suffering and hurt, and God wants us free from that. I used to keep my, the nasty emails that I would get as pastor here. And rest assured, I've had plenty of them over the years. It's a church, and we're filled with opinions about what I should have said or should not have said or should have done or should not have done. And, and I used to keep a collection of these emails, and, and, and so I would go over them every once in a while. And I just realized a number of years ago, I realized nothing good comes out of me re revisiting those emails nothing good. So I wiped them out, deleted that file. I don't keep them anymore. Cut it down. So when I get a struggling email or whatever, we deal with it, we address it, we respond to it, etc. I usually have Jan take care of it. And, <laughs> and then I delete it. I just, I just get rid of it. I just don't keep it anymore. Because for some reason, we have a tendency to keep that stuff, to memorialize that stuff. In, in that relationship that you're considering, that you're wanting to invest in or work on over the next few weeks, whatever relationship that might be, sometimes we have a tendency to, I uh, hope you're familiar with this phrase, but we play old tapes. Ever, ever heard that phrase? That here we have this relationship that is now, yet there was some kind of pain, some kind of problem from the past and instead of leaving room for any improvement, we play old tapes from the way things used to be. She's no fun. She's no fun. I'll never have fun with her. I will never enjoy life with her. Well, what if she has made intentional efforts in that area of her life and she has been praying for and working on experiencing joy in life? Don't play those old tapes. You might say, he is a terrible communicator. He is, he's a terrible listener. He doesn't care about my thoughts or my feelings. He just kind of jumps on me in a condescending way. That's just, he's a terrible communicator. But what if he has made intentional efforts, gathered with another group of men and learned to communicate differently, and as a result, he has made changes in his life 
that you're not seeing because you're playing old tapes. Sometimes, if we're the wounded, if we're the offended, we need to forget what is behind in order to move forward. Sometimes we need to even offer forgiveness when it hasn't even been asked for. That's what Jesus models. As, as painful as that is. Sometimes we need to go up to that charred, ugly tree sitting right in front of our house and cut it down. Get rid of it. Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Again, Paul's very clear in this chapter. What he's straining for is to know Christ. He, that's what he's going after. He wants to make sure at the end of his days, he doesn't have an encounter with Jesus where Jesus says, I know you went to church a lot, but I don't know you, and you don't know me. Paul wants to make sure that's not what happens at the end of his days. So he is striving, he is straining towards what is ahead. I want to know Christ, so I'm going to make decisions now that move me in that direction. So, in your most significant relationships, what is your ultimate goal? What is your desired future? Have you identified or articulated what do you want out of that relationship with your spouse, with your sibling, with your parents? What's your, what's your ultimate goal? If you're married, is your ultimate goal that you avoid divorce? Because that's, that's kind of a, I mean, statistically, that's an, that's an incredible thing. That's a, that's a difficult thing. But that's still a low bar in terms of what God has for your marriage. What, what's, what perhaps is a better ultimate goal? I've always said I, wanted to, I want to celebrate my 50th anniversary. That's what I want to celebrate. I want to have, I want to have grandkids fly in from wherever they are. We are going to party like it's 1999 on our 50th anniversary. But I was thinking about this week, I, I, I want to have a higher goal than that. I want my kids who, who one day are going to get married. In about 30 years or so, they're going to get married. I want my kids to say, I want to have a marriage like mom and dad. You see, that's a lofty goal because they know us. They know us more than any of you. I can fake it with you. I can fake it with my small group. I can fake it in a number of different, so, but it's my kids. They watch us interact. They watch us love one another. They watch how this whole thing rolls. I want them to say, I mean, we're not perfect by any means, but I want them to be able to say, there's, there's a lot in my parents that I want to model after. I want to have, I want to, I want to uh, uh, straining towards what is ahead to have a relationship that my kids want to model themselves after. What, what's your ultimate goal in your marriage? Or if your relationship is with a, one of your kids, what's your ultimate goal with your kids? To, to have them survive through high school? I mean, is that kind of the ultimate goal? They made it. They're alive. And they're not in prison. I mean, is that kind of the ultimate goal? Or is there some other, what's your articulated ultimate goal? What's your plan with your kids when, they're, when they graduate and move on? Do you want them to realize what their role is in God's story? 
Do you want them to have a sense of God's calling on their life? Do you want them to to, uh, be confident in terms of who they are and humble in terms of who they are not? Do you have a picture of what you want your kids to be? What's your ultimate goal for your kids? Because here's what happens. When we forget what is behind, we become untethered to the pain and the wounds of all of that, and we have a sense of what we're shooting for, we have a sense of what the ultimate goal is, then we can press on toward that goal. Then we can make decisions from this day forward that will move us in the direction we want to go. What we're doing in this series for the next three weeks is we're going to talk about this piece here, I press on. After we forget what is behind and we have a sense of where we're going, what does it look like to press on? For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about three important things that help us press on in this relationship. Are you interested in that? I am very interested in walking that out with you. Whatever that relationship is that you feel God may want you to work on over these next few weeks, forget what is behind, strain towards what is ahead, and press on. The band is going to come up and and lead us in a, a, a final song. There's a real charge about moving forward. And so I invite you to just... Just let this song be poured over you. Just just experience this song here in this room. But as we head into that, I want to pray with you. Would you just close your eyes where you are, please? God, I pray for all relationships that are represented here in this room. I know a lot of things have bounced around in in our minds here on this topic. Different stories, different parts from the past, different significant people in our lives. God, I pray for those who have, who have been the offender that, that they would be able to step forward and say, I'm, I'm willing to talk about it because I want healing for both of us. I pray that the offenders would say, I'll do whatever it takes to mend this wound. Father, I pray for the offended ones here who do not have control over what their offenders say to them or offer to them. God, I pray that you would meet them in that place of pain, that you would be the one who comes and and holds the chainsaw in their hands and helps cut down that tree, give them freedom from that broken past, God. Father, we want to experience freedom in these relationships. I pray you take us there, that we would press on toward that goal. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.